Welcome to Unlearn. I'm Kat. And I'm Misha. And today we're going to start off with This Week in Music. Mm. So, um, of course, you've by now heard Rihanna's work and Beyonce's formation. But have you heard the, uh, I'm going to say, awkward white acoustic covers of those songs? I would call them abominations. (laughs) I guess honest. I guess awkward was generous to call someone. I mean, acoustically singing the word Negro, it's not a good look. It's it's like, well, the man said Negro number he, one. Yeah, he said Negro and not Negro. This is not Spanish. <laughs> but it's just like those. So, for example, formation. The lines in formation are so. It's just so much for black people. It's just like. You you don't truly get it unless you were raised within black culture, mm-hmm. and like I know it's like to have a Negro nose with like Jackson Five size nostrils, and like I stop touching your nostrils. I'm, I'm just trying to feel if I got <laughs> what you would consider a Negro. Well, nose. yeah, you do. Okay, good. you do. <laughs> I just was making sure. Um, and it's just like the song so culturally specific it just doesn't make for a good acoustic cover or a good country cover (laughs) which are some of the covers out there um but like the great part about it is that black twitter to the rescue with the ultimate clap back where they take um some of white people's favorite artists Mm. the tay swifts the katy perry's and redo them as trap covers so i definitely recommend checking out hashtag trap covers trap covers um, they're hilarious they're some of them. <laughs> so good. yeah can i ask you a question about this yeah for sure so it seems to me like what you're saying is that you don't have an issue with white people covering quote black music in general no it's with a specific style of black music yeah what what about these specific types of songs make it hard for you to hear like a person outside of the group cover it just like specific cultural references so like you were kind of saying um we were kind of talking about how part like parts of Rihanna's work song is in Patois and like this really popular cover um, of her song is just like a translated Mm -hmm. like translated more acoustic version of the song and it just loses it loses its character like the song loses its identity and you literally can't dance to it (laughs) I tried you saw me (laughs) I mean like what do you think how do you feel about these covers In some ways, I think that people are doing these covers just because they really like the music. Yeah. You know, I don't think that a lot of people are coming from a hateful place when they're doing these songs, you know. But in another way, these type, I wouldn't say so much work by Rihanna, but I would say things like Formation by Beyonce, a lot of other rap songs like you Mm -hmm. know a lot of kendrick lamar stuff 
you can tell that they're speci- they're being written for a particular community mm-hmm. with references that particular communities will understand. Mm-hmm. And so when other people are covering them, it feels less like, oh, we're just covering this music because we like it. And more of like, we don't want to feel left out of this moment. Right. Like, we don't want to feel left out of this music moment. We don't want black people to just have something that they can understand. (laughs) I'm going to go so far as to translate this so that white people don't feel left out. (laughs) And I think that's what the hard thing is for me. Like, even if she would have tried really hard (laughs) um, to sing it in Patois, I would have been like, "Woo, this is weird. But I really respect the fact that this woman is trying. Right. I think that's what it is for me is that it's kind of like, ugh. And there's something weird about hearing a white man say, I like my Negro nose with Jackson five nostrils. It's yeah. like, yo dude, you have a really thin pointy nose. Like there's no <laughs> way relating to this. And I think it, it comes, you know, it, it comes more at the question of like artistic freedom, mm-hmm. how, how meaning is interpreted from different types of people if there is inherent meaning in certain things or if there's ownership over certain things because of particular communities, I'm not sure where I fall on that spectrum. So like, I think, you know, people can cover what they want to cover. And because of that, I'm kind of like, yeah, you can, you can be a white person and you can say, I like my Negro nose with Jackson five nostrils. You can be talking about your baby hair with an afro when, <laughs> when Sally Sue clearly got straight hair. Right. You can be saying that, but it just doesn't feel right in my spirit. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So, I mean, to wrap it up, First Amendment rights, free speech, you can say you can say what you feel. Does it make you let it? Does it? make you cool doesn't it kind of just kind of makes you a creep like honestly Mm -hmm. um especially since you're like ignoring the cultural significance Mm -hmm. of like of songs like that um that just pissed me off i'm gonna go on one rant because you said that my last name is a rant so i'm gonna go on it it pisses me off when people are like i have this right to say whatever i want so I don't care if it's going to break your spirit as a human being. I'm going to say it just to prove I can say it. I'm like, who? what kind of person are you? Anyway. Oh, just- no. Like, I feel that way, like, every time I'm at, like, karaoke or actually anywhere where they don't censor the N-word mm-hmm. and white people are just screaming out the word, like, nigger all casually. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, like, it doesn't have, like, a loaded history. Like, even... The other night, I told a dude during karaoke, I was like, do you ever say that again? Can I Can I just say something about that word since we're on freedom of speech? Yeah, for sure. Why do white people want to say it so much? Because they can't have it. They want what they cannot have. They had it once. I they want it back. saw this video of this artist in Europe. I don't know what country. That's why I'm going to say Europe. <laughs> and... He is biracial, and he was talking about the fact that he just doesn't understand why white people want to say the word so much. He was like, you know, why do you want to use a word that has caused so much harm Mm -hmm. in a particular community? You can't even be in a place where you're like, I can't have something. Like, it hurts your soul so bad that you can't have this painful word to call somebody that you're just constantly fighting for the right for it. It's like, yo, chill, chill. Can you just not have this, this one word? And then even if you, so if you decide that, you know what, 
I don't care about these white people's feelings. I want to say it anyway. I, I just don't care. If someone rolls up to you and say that you're a racist, take ownership. Be like, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep, I hate black people. And I would keep saying the N-word. At least I would have more respect for someone who did that than be like, no, how dare you call me a racist? I'm not a racist. All I, I just, all the, everyone in hip hop says the N-word, so it's really cool. And I just want to say it too. And like, I'm just rapping. It's just a song. It's just like, just own up to being a racist. Like, just own up. You're, you privileged from, like, you constantly privileged from your whiteness you're like whether you want to be you're talking you're like still a racist if you're not actively acting against your privilege i think that that also just goes to show that racism isn't just an ideology Mm -hmm. like it's still it's an action as well Mm -hmm. like you can be friend you can be a white person that is friends with black people you can have a half black child Mm -hmm. that don't mean you can't be racist and say racist stuff what that's like you can still have gay friends and still be homophobic. Right. You know what? What we've clearly figured out by this rant and conversation is that we are wise. <laughs> and the others are not. <laughs> I'm kidding. If people are listening, I'm kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Um, but yeah, I mean, so is there like anything you want to say about white people covering kin- like certain Kendrick Lamar songs? <sighs> like we gonna be all right it's like you been all right <laughs> you've been all right you were born all right you've been all right you're and gonna I, die all right and i want to say though i you know i think sometimes we do you and i both mm-hmm. have the tendency of talking about whiteness on this very broad scale mm-hmm. i when i'm talking about whiteness, i do understand there are many white people living in poverty Mm -hmm. there are many white people who are suffering there are many white people who do in fact need hope and are overcoming things and we do need that hope of being all right you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and a lot more white people are dying from heroin and drug use just read that in the new york times before (laughs) before my articles ran out right here (laughs) um but like but this is to say that I recognize this, that all people have their forms of pain and hurdles to overcome. But when you got the historical oppression of yeah. one type of people, we got a specific type where we're going to be all right, you know? Yeah. It, and like, and that's like the point of the song. It's just like, oh, man, I just saw another black person on TV get murdered by the police like the emotional the emotional drain that occurs when you see your people systematically oppressed, mm-hmm. murdered, and just like overall degraded in society on the daily basis. You watch your president get disrespected mm-hmm. for his for being a black man and and you see his wife get disrespected for being a black woman. And it's just like there's a certain level of hope mm-hmm. that is like necessary to continue to go through your your day-to-day life when your spirit is constantly being attacked mm-hmm. and it's just like and like that's like the i feel like that's the real message of the kendrick mm-hmm. lamar song like mm-hmm. that's the that's what we need we're gonna we have to remind ourselves that like yes they are constantly challenging you and your humanity but you know what? You're going to survive just like your ancestors survived mm-hmm. for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like over, I mean, like po- poverty. 
you within a generation can get out of poverty mm-hmm. oppression you cannot get out of systematic yeah, oppression totally. within a generation not the next five generations it may never like this cycle may never end can i this was not the topic of our show <laughs> but i want to i want to bring this article up again because i thought it was very interesting and i want to see what you have to say about this okay so this rise of drug so between like white people between the age of like 25 and 45 addict addiction to like prescription medication to things like heroin and meth is just Uh skyrocketing and this Uh group of people is just like dying off and in the research some of so some of the researchers are interviewing a lot of people in this demographic and trying to figure out like why all of a sudden are these people just like becoming addicted to this thing and what they have hypothesized is that for you know in between like the between like the 50s maybe like the 70s i don't know when stuff started crashing um a lot of white middle class people had a lot of opportunities Mm -hmm. to you know the job market was good people were being educated vi vi loans mm -hmm. like moving to the suburbs exactly and so a lot of people who are our age and a little bit older have had to see their parents be able to get jobs easily, mm-hmm. be able to see their parents not necessarily have student loans. So a lot of these white people who could see this privilege basically and be like, you know, damn, I'm a failure. My mm-hmm. family had all these opportunities and now I'm in debt. I don't have a job. Basically, they their family's been living the good life and now you're the failure. When they interviewed black people who were in the same age demographic, it was like a staggering difference in how many people were not addicted to drugs because <laughs> for their whole life they had seen their people struggle. Yeah. So they were like, no, I feel like I do have some opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. my ancestors were slaves. <laughs> there was Jim Crow, people getting lynched. Now I at least went to college. I got some student debt. But because all they had to compare their current situation was with all this oppression, mm-hmm. they were like, nah, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. What do you think about that? I well, that makes like a hundred and ten percent per um <laughs> sense. It makes so much sense, um, and it's like I mean, I guess it's like not funny that so many people are so many white people are addicted to drugs, but it's kind of funny, like low key. Um, it's, it's a, isn't that a weird problem to have though? It's yeah, like I am so I, depressed because it's been so good for my people for so long, and I'm struggling <laughs> for these twenty five years. I am, I am. But Sad. then, I mean, like, that shows how fragile the structure of privilege and oppression is. Mm-hmm. And, like, how... So it's, like, kind of like how feminism is good for masculinity. Mm-hmm. And feminism, it benefits men because masculinity is such a fragile structure that when, when like, left outside of that structure, like, people just kind of self-destruct. But if we allow people to understand that, like you can that this system of privilege has turned against you that has worked against you maybe we can start dismantling it but i kind of doubt that's going to happen because it kind of sounds like our generation or they kind of like honestly this is gonna sound bad but they sound like a bunch of crybabies to me they just sound like a bunch of like whiners like oh no Mm -hmm. look at all this privilege where's my where's like Mm -hmm. my piece of the privilege Mm -hmm. where i'm just like 
dude, I, I've only known, I've only known struggles and like, I've had to work really hard to be able to pay for my degrees and help my mom and like, you know, make it, make it all the South side of Chicago. It's, it's just, I can't sympathize. Mm-hmm. It's just like kind of impossible for me to sympathize, mm-hmm. but it really shows that privilege benefits nobody in the long run. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Privilege kind of benefits. Well, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It's a hard it, concept. Yeah. It's hard. It's just any power structure. All like all power structures are so fragile that when challenged, they can easily crumble. Like or people within those structures can easily crumble. Mm-hmm. They taking people out if you challenge them. The structure. Yeah. Well, yeah, the FBI will murder you if you challenge the structure. <laughs> that was Kat saying that. That was not me. Well, no, I mean, there's I'm like, just saying if there's somebody, so many examples if in Black the FBI history. Is listening, <laughs> Misha didn't say that. I'm I'm not threatening the FBI. The FBI have like historically taken out major Black leaders. We gonna beat that one day. That's why you gotta be careful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Kat. Yeah. I don't mean to rain on your parade. It's 65 <laughs> degrees outside. It's 65. It's a great day in Chicago, Illinois. It is a, <laughs> it is a beautiful, warm day. Um, so we're going to like, so I, we're, well, we're done with this week in music, if you couldn't tell. But we're going to start talking about our our topic of the day. Um, free speech and the right to assemble. So you may or may not heard about this KKK rally in Anaheim, California um, <laughs> that ended in disaster. So three people were stabbed. Like any KKK anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a disaster. Um, and it, and it's, it's funny because like it was really so we, there were like a ton of people everyone has cell phones so there's a ton of like people with videos of like people getting stabbed in a street like in the street during this rally and one of like the kkk members was doing an interview with the news and he's like we just want a peaceful rally but also but one of the kkk members stabbed one of the counter protesters did he stab that person with a flag that yeah had a sharp edge on it <laughs> yes he stabbed someone with an american flag <laughs> that is that what's is happening incredible. in 2016 in california Think about that. Literally stabbing a black man with an American flag. Yeah. That makes no... That's basically what history has done. <laughs> that's just like... America has done that for years to black people. Stab us <laughs> with American flags. But, like, also, there's kind of no... I'm, like, kind of annoyed that there's, like, no outrage around this. Like, they wanted a peaceful protest. Like, you... They... The news will try to sensationalize any black protest, like large, large, large majority of black protests, completely peaceful. No one stabs anybody Mm -hmm. like like genuinely peaceful. And then like the KKK are saying, yeah, we want a peaceful protest. You don't you lose any credit like, well, okay, KKK never had credibility, but you cannot state that you want a peaceful protest and then stab somebody with the American flag. That's unrealistic. But what gets me is in the news segment how they just allow the KKK member to fully get his point out. Yeah. And then when the person of color comes on the screen, he's like, 
you know, then they started pulling out weapons. Bam, he's cut off. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, can we listen to what the dude said about yeah. the weapons? No? Okay. I and guess this is KKK winning again. <laughs> <laughs> I've I, had, I actually have had, slash have, no, they're dead, had some KKK members on my white side of the family. What you know about that? Nothing. I don't, thank goodness. I'm I'm very proud to say that I am not related to any KKK members. It's a so. special thing. It's a special feeling. It's <laughs> it's special. Whatever. I'll talk to you about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm related to a KKK member. It's crazy. Um, and it's like it's the way that the media shows these shows these protests as if uh, they're like these protests are so dramatically different wait the kkk rallies versus like people of color rallies yeah well i mean i feel like even when like the stuff was happening in south carolina with the confederate flag Mm mm-hmm when it was, I feel like, okay, at least from my point of view, having, like, being from South Carolina, having family that lives, like, my entire family still lives there. When, you know, the news was out that the KKK was going to be there, it was kind of like, they have the right to assemble. It doesn't matter if they have historically been, a, like, a hate group. This is their right. Let them assemble. It was kind of like, I'm not going to say that it was positive, but... I feel like people were like, this is their right, let them assemble. But when it was kind of like, oh, black protesters are going to come out to counter protest, it was like, we got to have the police there. We need to have this there. To me, it's crazy. Like, even when there's a white hate group, mm-hmm. you have police protecting them, mm-hmm. you have news cameras out saying, this is their right. If, if the, you know, the new Black Panther Party, which they did, we're going to come out and have it on their separate day. For one, I'm, I doubt they would have police protection. Mm-hmm. The The cameras would come out with like these thugs are protesting on our on our government mm-hmm. things. It's interesting to me how even when there's a white hate group, sometimes they get more positive media than like mm-hmm. black peaceful groups. I'm like, <laughs> this makes no sense to me. I don't get it. How is this the case? We're literally watching them with hoods. <laughs> This makes no sense. Yeah, I'm. It's, it's, it's like I would, if there was like more equitable treatment among protesters. Like I rather, I want to see the police out there in their squat uniforms, prepared to throw gas masks at the KKK members if things get out of control. The same way that they threaten protesters of color, and like just like not just black protesters, Mm -hmm. but like. Um, people, people protesting immigration and like, well, the immigration reform, um, people protesting like any form of assembling, like any marching, any assemble. I just feel like if it's people of color, Mm -hmm. the police are going to show up squat uniforms, ready to pepper spray, ready to like, tear gas ready to make sure that they clear these minorities out as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible because the kkk was going to be so peaceful and we know black people are about to be wild when they come both wild (laughs) and it's and like three like 
police allow three people to be stabbed. Three people. I hate the KKK. Well, if, if you're a fan of the KKK, raise your hand. No hands raised. Like, it's no who's a, if you're a fan of the KKK, you're probably not listening to this show. You probably but you know, at least I appreciate the KKK members who don't wear the hood. Yeah, so you can see who show they their are. identity. So then I'm like, okay, oh, I clearly see you. Yeah, I was like, you're no longer my dentist. But that's a crazy thing, though. Like, being from a small town where you know the KKK still exists, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know who to trust. <laughs> if you could, you know, just a grocery store owner, you really could be in the KKK. <laughs> I'm not sure. Did I tell you about how the KKK, maybe I've said this on the show, but I told you how the KKK was still marching when I was in high school. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. Got out of school. They were blocking traffic. Like, yo, for real? This is 2008. <laughs> Why are you still marching in the middle of the street? It's hot. We got somewhere to go. We don't got air conditioning in our car. Please go. Anyway, that's all I got to say about the KK. <laughs> Just that they're like an inconvenience. Like, oh, They're an inconvenience to my life. Yeah. To, to black lives. To people who are trying to get somewhere when they're protesting their mm-hmm. hateful message. They tried to recruit my grandma back in the day. Mm-hmm. I just got to- So how do you feel about like that, how the news chooses to cover this and how like the news pres- just we, we know that the media biasly um, like displays interviews with like people of color Mm -hmm. they edit out Mm -hmm. for it to be more salacious and to like really get people watching and fuel them as opposed to having journalistic integrity Mm -hmm. so like where why is there no why is there no longer value in journalistic integrity i can't answer that question but on a broad scale i think that a lot of journalists, people who are writing, people who are on television, they, I mean, I'm making a lot of assumptions, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's the idea that in order to stay on the air, in order to keep people in their jobs, that they have to present news in such a way that is going to gain a following or gain viewers. Sometimes the truth hurts and people don't want to hear it. I feel like if you put in truth on the television, People aren't going to watch it. If you're like, yo, these white people have been racist for 60 years. People are going to turn off the television. You know what I mean? (laughs) But if you're like, oh, there was a KKK protest and black people started stabbing the KKK. That sensationalized message is going to get a ton of viewers. So why would you not present it in that way? So you're gaining ratings. You're getting people their jobs back. You're making money. Hmm, why not present it in this way? It's, when you have black people who are presenting messages on networks, they get cut off. It's funny because everyone um, likes to kind of make fun of Donald Trump on his just outrageous comments and statements. But the news that we have been consuming a lot of the time, I just feel like the news that we've been consuming in the media that we've been consuming are just like, they're just like Donald Trump. Like mm. John, Donald Trump, knows if you want people to pay attention you better make it sensational you better make it salacious you better you better say something that's gonna perk up their ears and make them even if they even they're like what the fuck like i can't Mm -hmm. like 
even they're sincerely outraged yeah it's just like they're talking about you there in your mouth as opposed to reporting something that's like what was the story you were telling me about like the little black boy yeah so i don't know where this video is because i saw it a while back but there was this news article something had happened there was a scuffle with the police and they interviewed this little black boy he had to be like five or six years old and they basically edited it where he in the video in the news article that he was like oh something something something. i hate the police and you just see them go off camera after this little black boy it's like i hate the police and the reactions to the video were just so disheartening because you know they were like here's another black person that just hates the police from a young age for no reason so this person came out and released the unedited version of this video and this little black boy was basically like sad about what was happening and he was like i want to be a police you know and it was just like yo this little kid basically wanted was saying he was sad about what was happening and wanted to be a police officer but this news station literally edited his video in such a way that made him seem like a police hater right and people can do that child it's it's absolutely legal to like manipulate facts and to manipulate people's actual true statements to get people pissed off Mm -hmm. to get people like like i don't know revved up or for race wars it's Mm -hmm. freaking ridiculous and i just feel like you there should be some accountability Mm -hmm. to to be truthful in what you present out into the world and like allow us I mean, I guess that we as consumers have to be be more, I guess, selective of what we choose to believe and not to believe. But I, I expect from the news mm-hmm. some type of truthfulness. Like, well, I think that is my issue is in order to figure out what is happening in the country or what is happening in the world, it's not like, you know, people are getting shot on this side of the country and you're there, so you have a first-hand account. Like, the way that you know this is happening is through these news sources. Like, that's almost how you have to get your information. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I think you're definitely right about the fact that we have to be selective in what we're trusting. Mm -hmm. But ultimately people are presenting what they want to present to us anyway, because unless we can be in every single single moment and get a firsthand account ourselves, things are just being filtered through these lenses anyway. So it's like, even when we're being selective, things are being edited from these people who want to get ratings. And I'm like, that's why you got to check Twitter. That's why you got to be checking videos, <laughs> seeing what people on the ground are saying. Cause these networks will turn stuff around mm-hmm. real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Twitter will be the primary source for all of my news in the future. <laughs> Did you hear about the hurricane coming, cat on the news? Twitter wasn't saying anything about it. No, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, did you... Why don't you tell me what happened with Melissa Perry? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, going off of news and freedom of speech... Uh, Melissa Harris Perry, who has her or had her on show on M. I can't say the MSNBC. Thank you. Woo, it's so hard to say. Um, now doesn't have a show anymore because she basically was like, "I'm not dealing with all this bullshit that's happening." The network 
kept moving her showtime. They wouldn't really allow her the freedom to talk about what she wanted to talk about. In the article I was reading on the New York Times, they mentioned how she really wanted to cover Beyonce's formation because she thought that it was like a pivotal moment in, you know, black culture. Mm-hmm. Her producers were like, no, you need to be covering the election. And she was basically like, every other network is covering the election there are shows that are covering the election on this thing. I don't feel like I need to be covering the election. I want to cover Beyonce. So she basically got on, was covering Beyonce. And as she was covering Beyonce, they like put a little window up and had the election playing like over her talking about Beyonce. Then they would just like move around stuff and not tell her like when her show was happening. And she was like, you know what? If you're literally not going to allow me to have ownership of my own show, I'm just not doing it. And so she was basically like, peace. Um, so that's basically the sum- the terrible summary <laughs> of what happened, at least in my view. I'm kind of like, this is another example of somebody I really trusted. Like whenever her clips would come on my, na- my Facebook feed, I would be like, oh, I have to watch this because this woman is brilliant and she mm-hmm. like has something amazing to say. It makes me sad that that voice is being taken away from black people. Yeah. That once again, it's like this woman is constantly dropping truth bombs. Now we don't got any truth bombs. <laughs> what do you think of that, cat? What do you think that says about our state and news? I don't know. I guess, like, there is... It, it's just... It kind of just shows that, like, news has become more biased again. Because, like, news more often than not, even liberal news will report out to one to to the privileged viewpoint more often than not Mm -hmm. like it can still be um it can still be liberal it can still like barely cover socioeconomic status and um other things that are not necessarily representative of race but it's not gonna like really it's, it's just not going to do it for like people of color. It's mm-hmm. not going to like, ha- like we've lost another voice in the mm-hmm. very limited for the very limited voices that we have. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, who are black people on TV? What Stacy dash, like Don Steve Harvey, Don <laughs> lemon, Steve <laughs> Harvey. I, there's well, like on like major news stations, mm-hmm. it's just, we already had kind of nothing (laughs) and now we have like one less voice for us like one last voice to be truthful with us dang she had them braids (laughs) you know what i mean dang look at this professional powerful black woman with her micro braids on television yeah just speaking it speaking the truth i'm so mad my heart broke do you realize is there anything else you want to cover? No. Besides the <laughs> So thanks for so so much for joining us. Unfortunately, Black History Month is over, but I would like to thank President Obama in his final term for helping this to be one of the blackest black history months by just i am just being black as hell in that white house michelle obama um, michelle obama arms. being the, <laughs> the black queen that she is mm-hmm. i would like to thank black twitter for constantly clapping back and not accepting less um trap covers we thank you 
and to all of my people of color um, and all of my black people who insisted on uh, also Beyonce information. Duh, how did I forget that? Um, Can I make one point yeah, as we ahead. leave this Black History Month? Yeah. <laughs> so proud of everybody. I feel like we really need to unite because in April, Alabama has declared it Confederate History Month. Wow. So we got to be ready going into the month of April. Wow. Be ready, everybody. Everyone, we're changing April to Black History Month. Or we're going to make, we're going to have like, we're going to slowly increase Black History Month. So we'll have, we'll just like scatter at first and then slowly start filling it in until we're every month Black History Month and just Black History Year. And every, and then Black History is incorporated into american history because you know we've been kind of kicking it here for a while and no. by kicking that kicking it i mean enslaved so anyway um yeah thank you for listening um fuck alabama for that bullshit mm-hmm. that is got like Damn, I just feel like y'all salty about losing the Civil War. It was so long ago. Get over it. Don't no one needs to learn about Confederate history because it's kind of a moot point. And don't like don't people in the South already learn about Confederate his- history? Yes. Every issue. time I go to the South, there are hella statues of Jefferson Davis everywhere. I went to this bookstore. There was a Confederate flag coloring book for kids. Wow, it's just like you don't need a Confederate history month because like it already in is. the South. It's incorporated into American history, unlike black history. (laughs) So, yeah. Fuck you, Alabama. And thanks for taking five steps back. Because the Voting Rights Act, (laughs) the the last... um, (laughs) Because you've already done enough. Take a seat, Alabama. All right. Thanks for joining us. And have an awesome week. Bye.